Welcome to the sermon podcast of Resurrection Community Church in Virginia Beach. We seek to connect people to God and one another through His Word, and hope this sermon brings you closer to God. In God's Word this morning from John chapter 13, uh, verses 18 to 38. Uh, so this is following, this is really right, uh, if you were here last week, um, Alejandro uh, shared for uh, John chapter 13, when Jesus washed the feet of his disciples and Jesus' sacrifice and love uh, for his disciples and his act of service and putting others ahead of himself and all that kind of thing. This continues in that same story. We'll actually be that same night uh, for quite some time. This night, this last night of Jesus with his disciples takes up five chapters in the book of John. So we're we're going to be on this, it's going to be a lot of weeks, but on the same night. <laughs> so there's, there's a, lot of, a lot of talk coming, but also this is uh, a lot of the mo- many of significant things that we know and cherish about Jesus and his love for us come from things he said this night. Uh, so you will likely, uh, will be in this night for a while and you will hear a lot of familiar things that you may not have realized that this is where they came from. But keep in mind as I read this, that this is happening right after Jesus has washed the feet of his disciples. And that's particularly significant because the first thing that happens is he's going to deal with Judas, uh, whom he he has just washed Judas' feet. So as we listen to this, we want to consider what this is saying to us, what this is saying about Jesus and his greatness and his glory and what it means for us today. So let me read John chapter 13, starting at verse 18. I'm not speaking of all of you. I know whom I have chosen, but the scripture will be fulfilled. He who ate my bread has lifted his heel against me. I am telling you this now before it takes place, that when it does take place, you may believe that I am he. Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever receives the one I sent, whoever receives the one I send, receives me. And whoever receives me, receives the one who sent me. After saying these things, Jesus was troubled in his spirit and testified, Truly, truly, I say to you, one of you will betray me. The disciples looked at one another, uncertain of whom he spoke. One of his disciples, whom Jesus loved, was reclining at table at Jesus' side. So Simon Peter motioned to him to ask Jesus of whom he was speaking. So that disciple, leaning back against Jesus, said to him, Lord, who is it? Jesus answered, It is he to whom I will give this morsel of bread when I have dipped it. So when he had dipped the morsel, he gave it to Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot. Then after he had taken the morsel, Satan entered into him. Jesus said to him, what you are going to do, do quickly. Now no one at the table knew why he had said this to him. Some thought that because Judas had the money bag, Jesus was telling him, buy what we need for the feast, or that he should give something to the poor. So after receiving the morsel of bread, he immediately went out, and it was night. When he had gone out, Jesus said, Now is the Son of Man glorified, and God is glorified in him. If God is glorified in him, God will also glorify him in himself, and glorify him at once. Little children, yet a little while I am with you. You will seek me, and just as I said to the Jews, so now I also say to you, where I am going... You cannot come. A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another. Just as I have loved you, you also are to love one another. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples, if you have love for one another. 
Simon Peter said to him, Lord, where are you going? Jesus answered him, where I'm going, you cannot follow me now, but you will follow afterward. Peter said to him, Lord, why can I not follow you now? I will lay down my life for you. Jesus answered, will you lay down your life for me? Truly, truly, I say to you, the rooster will not crow till you have denied me three times. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you that you love us. We thank you that you preserved this word for us. We thank you that what Jesus said and did so long ago was written down for us. So that just as it was your word for the disciples back then, it is your word for us today. We pray now that as we reflect on it, by the power of your Holy Spirit, would you make this word not mere information for our heads, but transformation for our lives. Changing the way that we think, the way that we feel, the way that we live, today and in days to come. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So when we read, greater love has no man than this, uh, that he, no, that's not what I said. When we read that you should uh, lay down your life for your friends, or we read that part earlier, but love one another as I have loved you, it makes us think of courage. And I was reading a political commentator recently pointing out that really courage is in rather short supply in the world. Courage and sacrifice is something that is one of our, our most revered qualities, even among the culture at large. We honor those who show courage. We honor those who make sacrifices. And yet, not very many of us can do it. Uh, I was reading that specifically. I, I've read it from the same commenter twice recently. One in reference to, um, in reference to the, the Texas uh, shooting in Valde and the police who didn't go in and how you know, we criticize that. And at the same time, it's, it's hard. It's hard to get people to be willing to give up their life. And then he said later in another context that we really should celebrate those who do, even if it's their job. We celebrate rightly firefighters who run into burning buildings. We honor and remember the firefighters and police officers who ran into the towers on September 11th and lost their lives in the process. We honor soldiers who give their lives for the protection of their friends, who give their lives for the sake of their mission. And these are right and good. And yet we know when we hear these commands to love one another and serve, even at the cost of our own life, we know that we can't really do it, that, for most, that our strength will fail. It is very, very difficult to make yourself willing to even, even to suffer a little bit, let alone to give up your life, let alone to fundamentally put others before ourselves. This is not something that comes naturally to us. And yet, we have this command from Jesus that you love one another just as I have loved you, you also are to love one another. The love that he's talking about, he has just washed their feet. He has just put himself under them. He is pointing forward to his death on the cross for their behalf, on their behalf. He is calling for a high standard of love and self-sacrifice. This is a so what, you know, it's an easy question. Like, what's the main thing we're supposed to do here? We're supposed to love one another, self-sacrificially. That's what this is telling us to do. It's very straightforward, straight command from Jesus. Do this, love one another. But how? How can we do that? How can we find the strength to love one another in this way? We want to. We revere it as a culture, we honor it, but very few of us are able to carry it out. 
and nobody is able to do it the way that they should. And we find many times, even when it, it looks pretty good, that we learn later that there were other motivations going on or other kinds of things. We just can't love the way that we want to, let alone the way that Jesus calls us to. So what do we need here? If we know if the command is clear, what we need is some hope. We need some hope. We need some truth about God. And so the truth that he offers us in this command, this call to love, this high calling to love one another, it's that he has sacrificed himself. That Jesus has done this first, not simply as an example, like, oh, look at Jesus, how great he is. Can't you be like Jesus? I mean, that's hard, right? But he has actually made it possible through his sacrifice. That's really the key truth about God that we see here is that Jesus has sacrificed himself for us to be able to love. It's not simply an example for us, it is power for us. When our question is how do we find the strength to love? We find the strength to love by taking hold of Jesus' sacrifice for us. So yes, the command is to love, but how do we do that? It's by taking hold of the sacrifice. Because what Jesus makes crystal clear in here is that we cannot do this on our own. And we see that in the way that he set this up. Because the, 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 the command to love, the new commandment that you love one another, is clearly sandwiched between two examples of human failure. We start with Judas the betrayer. It's like, all right, well, don't be like Judas. Be like Jesus. That's, that's clear enough. But John doesn't just leave it there because then he comes back right afterwards with the prediction of Peter's failure. And so what John is saying to us is, look, Judas, fail failure, betrayed Jesus. Peter, failure, betrayed Jesus. Not quite in the same way, but still. And in between, do not, you should love one another. How? Because I have loved you. And so that's where we see the, the importance that in the midst of our failure, Jesus gives us the power to love. And so if we want to take hold of that power, if we want to be strengthened by him to love the way that he has commanded us, to love the way that we all know is right, that God has put on our heart of the right way to love other people, self-sacrificially, even to the point of death, we need to keep reflecting on how it is that Jesus sacrificed himself. So remarkably... I have found three F's in this passage on the way that Jesus sacrifices himself. And he sacrifices himself in the face of betrayal, it's one F, for failing followers, that's actually three, but we'll call it the second F, and to forge a new community. So, you know, if I'm gonna be a bunch, if I'm gonna be at a Presbyterian party, I certainly have to come back with alliteration. So in the face of betrayal for failing followers, and to forge a new community. This is where Jesus sacrifices himself. First, in the face of betrayal. There's a lot of space given here to the fact that Judas is betraying Jesus. Why is this detail here? Like many times in John, we, we kind of suspect that it's just, it's just John being John. Like he was there, and he's telling the story just like an old man telling stories, and he tells us exactly how it happens. But those details also make us slow down and draw us in. And we see the confusion of the disciples, the confusion in heart. I mean, for us, reading the story, already kind of knowing the story, with John's commentary, I mean, he told us back at the beginning of chapter 13, before 
Jesus washed their feet. The devil had already put it in Judas's heart to betray Jesus. So we know this is happening. We know how the story ends up. But John draws out in his details that they didn't know. Even though it seems very clear that Jesus is like, hey, one of you is going to betray me. Who is it? Well, it's the one I give the bread to. Here you go, Judas. Like, it seems crystal clear. But they didn't get it. Why didn't they get it? Because it was so shocking. Why would one of Jesus' own followers betray him? Betrayal is a shock. We do not want to be betrayed. We do not expect to be betrayed. Nobody goes into a marriage, into a relationship with friends, into a church community, into any other kind of community, expecting to be betrayed. That's not how life is supposed to work. This is one of the reasons I, I mentioned at our, our, our gathering this week, our report on abuse. One of the reasons that abuse is so awful, so heinous, uh, in the words of our old documents, is because it's a betrayal of trust. It comes from people that you thought would love you, that you trusted. And so when we see that Jesus sacrificed himself in the face of betrayal, betrayal by a man whom right before he sent him out, he washed his feet. When we are hurt, when we are betrayed, you can know that Jesus understands, that Jesus is not absent. But betrayal and abuse feel confusing. We don't understand. We don't want them to happen. We justify, we minimize, we explain away because we don't want it to be true. And yet we know it is true. And we know that Jesus understands it. And Jesus is there in the midst of it. So if you feel this morning, if you come in and you, have, you feel betrayed in your heart, you feel uncertainty and confusion of what is going on, know that Jesus is there with you. And that Jesus faced all, we, we often talk about how Jesus faced all the temptations that we do, yet was without sin. But we also see that Jesus faced all the same hurts that we do. He was betrayed by a friend. And he is there with you. He understands. He welcomes you in. He can bring healing to that hurt, even in the midst of the pain and confusion. So Jesus sacrificed himself in the face of betrayal. But he also sacrificed himself for failing followers, like Peter. Because like Wake said earlier, we start with Judas, but we end with Peter. Peter is gung-ho. He wants to do it. Ooh, now I'm coming, coming through there somehow. Um, <laughs> just try to mute everything on there. So Jesus, uh, Jesus, faced, uh, Jesus come, uh, sacrificed himself for failing followers. Peter is ready to do this. He says, Lord, where are you going? And Jesus answered him, where I'm going, you cannot follow me, but you will follow afterward. Peter said to him, Lord, why can I not follow you now? I will lay down my life for you. I'm there, Jesus. I can do it. Jesus says, no way. You're not going to do it. You're not even going to get to the morning. This was the night before Jesus was betrayed. This is the night that Jesus was betrayed. That's what he's talking about, before the rooster crows. That means before it's morning tomorrow, you will deny me three times. And that's exactly what happened. But why? Why could Peter not follow where he was going? Because it's curious, because what he says, you cannot follow me now, but you will follow afterward. You don't have the strength yet, Peter, but one day you will. Why? 
Because first Jesus had to sacrifice himself. Because Peter could not do it on his own. He needed to be filled with the sacrifice of Jesus. The death of Jesus, the power of Jesus' life transferred to his, and then Peter could follow. We know from church history and tradition that Peter too was crucified in his later years. And we see the failed Peter, even in the Bible, who denied Jesus three times. We see him recommissioned by Jesus. We see him as a bold leader of the church in the book of Acts. And then we know from tradition that he was crucified, head down, so as not to be crucified like his Lord. And so, Jesus, so Peter had the strength to follow, but not on his own. He needed the sacrifice of Jesus. And so Jesus does the sacrifice in the face of betrayal for failing followers. Why? To forge a new community. To give people like Peter and all of us the strength to love and obey. It's curious when we read it here in verse 34. A new commandment I give to you that you love one another. Just as I have loved you, you also are to love one another. And you should rightly hear this and ask, why is this new? This does not sound new. Love has been the mission of God's people all throughout the Bible. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and soul and mind. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. Jesus quoted that. That was from the Old Testament. Everybody understood it. Everybody knew that was the whole point, that you were to love one another. That's the point of the Ten Commandments. Love God. Love one another. So how can Jesus say that this is a new commandment when it seems like a very old commandment? And the key is this. Just as I have loved you. Just as I have loved you. This is what makes it a new commandment. The new commandment is that through his death, through his sacrifice, and through his resurrection, Jesus has empowered this love in a new way. We cannot love in our own strength. Judas betrayed. Peter failed. We all too will fail in our own strength. But through the sacrifice, the death and resurrection of Jesus, we can love. And he does forge a new community. Verse 35, by this all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. This is the love that transcends human understanding, that is not just not a great act of a heroic few that we can celebrate, but the everyday, day in, day out love of Christians, one for another and for their communities around them. That people look at, don't, they may not seem like much at time, but at some point they're like, man, those Christians, they really do a lot. You may have seen this in the, in the discussion of, of Roe v. Wade and those things, I, I've seen it several times actually, the stat that crisis pregnancy centers outnumber abortion facilities in the U.S. by three to one. Three times as many crisis pregnancy centers, most often staffed by God's people. God's people giving of their time, ser serving and sacrificing to carry out the command of love for those who are in need, for those who are uncertain. This has been the mission of the church all along. This is what the early church was known for. The early church was known for the preservation and protection of life. The church today should still be known for these things. How? Because we are filled with the power of Jesus. Jesus gave himself for us. Not, yes, an example 
Look, I've washed your feet. Okay, you're doing the same. Put yourself below others, but with power. Because when Jesus went to his death on the cross, we say he went to his death for our sins. He took the betrayal of Peter, the failures of Peter, the failures of each of us. And he took those to the cross and he suffered the consequences of betrayal and failure on the cross in his death. But then in rising again, in declaring victory over that death, he gave to us his power, his perfect and powerful life so that in our lives more and more, we can live out the life of Jesus. That is what makes this a new command. It's not just something out there for us to strive to attain to, but it is a real and practical thing powered by the Holy Spirit, transforming the life of Jesus into ours that makes a real difference day in, day out. A difference that can be seen by other people. And say, hey, those, those Christians, I, I, didn't think I, I didn't think I necessarily agree with them about everything, but man, they're different. They really do love. See how they love one another. May it be so that we can all take hold of the sacrifice of Jesus, receive it into ourselves, admit our own inability to love on our own, in our own strength, but yet let the power of Jesus flow through us in love and self-sacrifice. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you for your word. We pray that you would sink this word into us. We pray that you would fill us more and more with the life of Jesus by the power of your Holy Spirit. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to this sermon podcast from Resurrection Community Church. To learn more about our church and how you can connect with God and others, please visit resurrectionvb.org.